How are you guys doing this morning? Mediocre, perfect, just the way I like it. Um, I just want to let you know you need to watch out this morning because I have brought my hardback Bible. It is not often that you journey with the hardback Bible, but when you do, you know those people mean business. Amen, yes. (laughs) No, I'm excited to be here this morning. Uh, For those of you who haven't had the pleasure of meeting, my name is Jordan Lohman, and I have uh, the blessing and privilege to be on staff here at United City Greensboro. This morning, Spencer uh, is at Grace Community Church. Anybody heard of Grace before? They are literally our neighbor church right down the road, and um, he is there speaking this morning. If you guys, if there was ever a time to pray for your pastor, it is 1,000% this morning. He is finishing up one sermon, and here in the next little bit, uh, we'll be starting his fifth teaching since Friday. So I don't know about you guys, but I think that we need to spend some time in prayer over him. Uh, I asked him, so are you going to come back and relax this afternoon? And he said, well, I got a friend who's planting a church in Durham, and I think I'm going to go visit him for one of his gatherings this afternoon. So he's a little bit crazy, but I'm excited to see uh, the Church of Greensboro coming together to lock arms, encouraged to see him out teaching in that area and excited to be with you guys this morning. So um, we're in a series right now, if you look on the screen, called In My Feelings with the Big Emoji Pillows. Those are my favorite. Uh, We're three weeks in, um, just looking deeper into this idea of emotionally healthy spirituality that came uh, from this idea or concept that wherever our emotional maturity lays, it will be the cap of our spiritual maturity. So it can't be that we are this much spiritually mature mature and this much emotionally mature, that will be the cap of where our spiritual maturity lays, So, or lies, not sure. Um, but that's the reason for us diving into this series. The first week, we took a deeper look at our feelings, our emotions, um, what's kind of going through our minds and hearts, not neglecting those, seeing that the Lord could have very well given us those as signs to direct and point back to Him. Last week, we looked at family of origin which I know created some fun conversations, just taking a deeper look at what has been passed down through the generations. What habits does my family have that may or may not contradict the way of Jesus? And not to look back and say, shame on you, but to make sure as we move forward and create more habits and generations to come that we can distinguish the way of Jesus from the way of our family. And this week we are looking at the journey through the wall. Very, I don't know, like, uh, I don't know if you guys know Mallory and Jordan Evans are back in City Kids this morning. They were helping set up, and Mallory said, so what's this morning going to be about? And I gave her that title, and she said, yeah, so what's this morning going to be about? (laughs) So we're going to get into that in just a second, but I'd like to say uh, on my side, at least, I know I've processed with a couple of you guys over the past week or two, and this series has been really interesting for me. I know a couple of you guys that I've spoken to, I've just described this big knot that I feel like I'm trying to untangle and pull in different strings or an onion that I'm peeling back and there's layer after layer. And I hope I didn't add confusion in processing that with some of you guys. I don't think we serve a God of confusion, but it's been interesting for me for sure. Uh, I'm really intrigued with this idea of looking deeper into our emotional health, especially if that's the cap of our spiritual health. I've also talked to some of you guys 
things, and uh, even in my research, seen a lot of folks that have experienced some major transformation by looking into these things. So I don't want us to neglect it. I want us to be praying for that transformation to take place. I don't want this to be a Sunday morning series, or really any Sunday morning series, but I don't want this to be a series that just goes through one ear and out the other. So for that reason, I want us to pray for that transformation to take place right now. Lord Jesus, um, we spent a time of worship, and even as our volunteers were here this morning, we spent time to invite you into this place, to invite you into this space of sacred worship. God, you are the God that we serve. You are the God that we are here to honor and glorify. And in this moment, I invite you into each heart and each mind of each person that sits in the seats in front of me, each volunteer, each pastor, Lord, each person that you would just transform this area of our lives, that these emotions, this emotional and mental health, God, that you would intervene and that we would be radically transformed to follow and chase after you from this day forward. And because of that, we would radically impact those around us as well. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to set a little backdrop here for um, this journey through the wall. That backdrop is going to date back to the 1500s, the early 16th century, uh, and this man named Saint John of the Cross. Now, I don't know about you guys, but that, not, that name, St. John of the Cross, I'm just imagining in my head, okay, end of grade testing, how many bubbles did that take? St. John of the Cross. It went all the way across the page. He had to go down to the second line. Interesting name, I know, but this guy um, was a very... Um, I don't know, important figure in the Roman Catholic Church at that time. He was a writer, and he wrote a poem called The Dark Night of the Soul. So The Dark Night of the Soul was the name of this poem that he wrote, and it narrated this journey from our soul and human flesh to this divine connection and union with God. And it, when, I, when you say Dark Night, I know you guys are probably thinking like, we're talking about Batman. Is that the Dark Knight? And I really don't know anything about Batman. I don't know if the Dark Knight is good or bad or somewhere in between, but we're not. Is it even Batman? Can somebody, thank you. Okay. The way Kristen was looking at me, I'm like, it ain't even Batman, is it? Oh, no. Um, so we're not talking about that dark night. This is a different dark night. This is a season and maybe even perhaps multiple seasons of what I would consider to be this spiritual dryness, this um, time that we will endure as we grow in spiritual maturity, in union with God. It's this newfound uh, feeling of aloneness. And I don't just mean like vertical, excuse me, horizontal aloneness with friends. We're in, a, we're in a room by ourselves. I mean like a vertical aloneness, like feeling like there's nothing else up there that's responding to us. And notice um, that this is still in relationship and growing in maturity with Christ. So I'm not speaking of non-believers that are saying, I just can't imagine that there's something up there. That's a different type of feeling that I'm referencing. This is a place of questioning whether our faith is broken. Maybe the Christian principles that we've tended to uh, this far into the journey, the prayer, the scripture reading, the fasting, the communal worship, the gathering, all of those things that have brought us this far suddenly feel like they're not working anymore. Suddenly it feels like there's a dryness or a lack of feeling and emotion. There's, it, it feels like the Lord has disappeared. Has anyone in here ever been in that place before? Okay, I see some hands. Perhaps some of you guys are in that place this morning. 
I read a stat, don't know who said it, don't know if it's real, not sure, but it said um, that on any given Sunday, as you look out at the faces in front of you, 20% of those people are likely going through the dark night in this moment. So I think this is definitely something that we um, need to look into deeper. The last few weeks, we've looked a lot at emotions, we've looked a lot at feelings, we've seen the value in those things, but the dark night keeps us from worshiping those feelings. So I think St. John of the Cross put it best. I can't help but think about how long his name is. Um, When he said this, I have a quote for us to look at. There is no other way for our soul to be strengthened and purified so that we don't worship our feelings than for God to remove them altogether. This is God's way of rewiring our taste buds so that we might taste of him even more fully. I think that's a powerful quote that he gives us there. Um, So notice, guys, what I'm speaking of here in this dryness and this lack of feeling, this lack of connection. I don't want anyone to get confused. It's not that we no longer have God's presence. Scripture tells us otherwise. He's dwelling within us. He's with us at every turn. He is right beside us. But this season, there's a lack of feeling that presence. It almost feels like a disconnection. Though we know we are connected, we can't quite feel or sense that like we once could. Uh, Maturing in Christ requires us going through this wall. It requires us going through this dark night season so that we can, as he had said, taste of him that much more. So I want to recap. I'm a little bit worried that I might lose some folks in this. I don't want to paint the wrong picture. Uh, Holding the mic is the scariest place to be because anything that comes out wrong can and will be used against me in the court of heaven. That's how I feel at least. Okay, can I get an amen? So I am also praying on top of my transformational prayer that anything that is not of Jesus, y'all will forget. Hallelujah. But we're going to recap here. Um, So Imagine we're having this phone call with God, right? We're in communication with him, and suddenly we lose signal. He is still there. We are still in conversation, but it feels like there's no one on the other end of the phone. That's kind of what I'm speaking of here. It's not at all a loss of our desire. That's where I don't want us to get confused, guys. This isn't for those seasons where we put God on the back burner. He's no longer our priority. We like the ways of the world. We're tempted by sin, and we give in, and we indulge in that. That's not this season. This is a season where we desperately want God. We desperately want to encounter his presence, and yet it feels like the connection is lost. It feels like there is no signal. We desperately want that call, but we don't hear him on the other end of the phone. So I have a couple clarifying questions that I'd like to go through here, um, kind of just recapping where I'm at. Where does this wall come from? This wall comes from God. This wall comes from God, and it's hard even for me to wrap my head around because I'm like, he's a good God. He's not a God of, you know, disaster and destruction. Anything that's negative in my life, automatically attribute to Satan. But what I'm learning is that he gives us these times of silence for maturity, that there's a gift in that wall. There's a gift in that journey that he wants us to uncover and unwrap both inside the wall and on the other side of the wall. The next question 
When does the wall come? So for some of us, we might be saying, I'm not really sure if I've experienced the wall. I'm not really sure if this sermon applies to me. Anybody been there? Don't raise your hand. Thank you. Um, Just trying to figure, like, where does this, how do I know if it's come? Is it going to come again? Is there multiple versions? So I have um, this picture that I'd like to put up on the screen that talks about um, different stages in our faith journey. This is going to be something that I think we'll circle back to later in a different series because I think it's really interesting. Um, But you see here, stage one, life-changing awareness of God. This is um, the moment where you first encounter him, the first uh, point of salvation, transformation. This is saying, yes, I follow Jesus, stage one. Stage two is a time, excuse me, of discipleship and learning. This is where we learn to be more like him. Uh, Maybe we're doing this communally, hopefully doing this communally in discipleship groups or small groups and city groups. We're learning what it means to be like Jesus. Then we get to stage three. This is an active life. We're serving. We're using our gifts to further the kingdom. We are uh, advancing his kingdom through different passions and gifts and abilities that he's given us due to our love for him and all that we've learned about him. And then we hit this wall. And I've seen the wall on either side of stage four, and I think that's because I've learned that they're very closely related. But you get to this point in in a time of serving and following Jesus that, that that connection gets lost, as I mentioned earlier, or suddenly there's silence on the other end of the phone, and all the ways that you had previously connected with Jesus are no longer working, but yet you're like, I'm living in obedience. I'm serving you. I've accepted you as my Lord and Savior. I've learned about you. I'm serving you. So what what am I doing wrong? Where does this come from? And it's in this time that we start to reflect back and journey inward and start to process our our emotions as we've been going through in this series. So that's kind of where in, I guess, the stages of faith uh, that I would say this wall comes. So I don't want us to get confused. If you are a new believer uh, and, and you're like, I just accepted Jesus three days ago and now suddenly I don't feel his presence anymore, that's maybe something else we should process. <laughs> maybe that's a spirit high and then you know you have to go back to school or back to class or back to work and reality sets in. But this is after years of potentially serving Christ. I read Mother Teresa has a lot on these dark seasons where she's given her whole life for the sake of the ministry and suddenly she feels like everything that I'm operating for, I, I can't even sense his presence. I'm talking about Jesus more than I'm talking to Jesus and it's not that I love him less. It's not that I desire him less. It's that I've hit this wall in my journey and I don't know what to do. So, next question. Why is the wall put there? I would say the wall is put there for the sake of purification, to mature us. That is the gift that's inside the wall without the wall. I don't know if any of y'all are like, yeah, I'm looking at the stages. I'm not really trying to get to the wall. I'm fine to get to the wall and turn around and head backwards. I can continue serving. But it's for our benefit. It's so that we can continue to mature in Christ and grow in relationship with him. He desires that of us. So I have a couple of things that I'd like to talk about this morning, uh, what I call spiritual imperfections in need of purification. And I've got those on the screen for us this morning. So pride. Pride is a spiritual imperfection in need of purification. I read during my time in this that your level of brokenness will equal how offendable you are. How easily offended you are will shed light on your level of brokenness. I want us to think about that this morning. How easily offended we are. 
Where is our identity in that? Where is our pride in that? That's convicting for me, guys. If we're tempted to condemn others quickly, to if we're impatient with the flaws of people around us, maybe we like to pick and choose who we'd like to learn from because I'm too uh, big and too high up and too important to learn from these little peasants over here. That's something that all equates back to pride. Next, luxury. How often do we see the blessings is greater than the blessor? How often do we really hone in on the gifts God's given us, that job, that car, that spouse, that golden doodle, can I get an amen, and don't realize what it really comes from, who the blessor is in that, who's giving us those gifts, and because of that, what responsibility we have to steward those well. If they're his gifts all along, do I need to hold them that tightly? How do I use them to glorify him? Next, wrath. I think wrath is a strong word. It's someone who maybe a little bit deals with anger. Wrath is a strong word, but this is true, guys. Our wrath, how easily irritated we are. The anger that boils up within us over what sometimes seems like a really small mistake or issue, that short fuse. That's what I'm referencing there for wrath. Spiritual envy. Spiritual envy. How often do we see a brother or sister in Christ growing and we get jealous of that? That's sad, y'all. And I'm, I'm sad for me. I'm sad for us that we look at brothers and sisters in churches around us and we get discouraged that they're growing and we're not. Why not celebrate? Spiritual envy is something that is going to stunt us here. And lastly, slothfulness, avoiding challenges, doing whatever that feels good. Like I said, we get to the wall and we're like, nah, I'm not about to do that. I'm going to turn back around. But slothfulness is a spiritual imperfection in need of purification. And so when I uh, reference there, why is the wall put here? These are those reasons. We have areas of our life that need to be purified and cleansed so that we can grow in maturity in Christ. And we learn these things in the silence. Christ hopes that we learn these things in the silence from him. God desires intimacy with us, and these things stunt or limit that intimacy. I'm going to say that again. God desires intimacy with us, and these things stunt or limit that intimacy. I have a question for us this morning. What if we are actually in need of a detox or a purification that only comes through silence and desensitization? We need that silence, guys. As much as we hate those things, so many hands went up. So many folks resonate with feeling like there's no one on the other end of the phone, no one receiving our prayers, that God has left us, that he's fleed the scene. But we need that silence. We need that desensitization. I think I've been wrestling personally, um, if I could be honest, probably over a couple of years with, with this idea of pursuing feelings versus pursuing Jesus. And, you know, like any millennial, perhaps, I'd like to blame others for that. 
you know? We grew up in a church culture where music transitioned from like this liturgical, um, I don't know, hymnal type, non-emotional experience to now there's so much emotion wrapped in it. it I mean, when you look at um, horror movies, I'm not really a horror movie person, but I do know at some point in the movie, there starts to be a certain type of music and you're like, oh, it's about to happen now. <laughs> let me cover my eyes. Let me press, let me press plot pause. Let me open the window. Something's about to happen. And that's because music has this ability to encase our emotions. Now, I totally believe in song and worship through that avenue, but I also want us to realize that when we come to know Jesus and we experience this spiritual high and it changes everything about our life, there's beauty in that. And I want us to cling to that and I want us to run with that. But when we come to a place where that feeling is stripped from us, we have to begin to ask ourselves, am I pursuing feelings of Jesus or am I pursuing Jesus? And that's a challenging question to ask. That's a needed question. We have to ask that question. I want you guys to join me as I open up my hardback Bible this morning in Psalm chapter 42 uh, in a passage where I feel like the psalmist really paints a picture for us of this dark night or journey through the wall type of season. So Psalm 42, Psalm's kind of like right in the middle of the Bible, maybe a little bit to the left. Uh, if you guys are flipping through, if you're on your phone, you can always um, sort by alphabet. That is the cheap way of doing it, but it does help. <laughs> I'm joking. Don't do that. Only if you want to. Okay. Psalm 42, we're going to start in verse 1, and I'm going to be very honest with you guys. Um, I'm skipping around a little bit, so I'm going to go 42 for a couple of verses, skip a couple forward, and then move into 43. But I think it's the same general um, consensus here, same storyline. I just didn't want to read seven books of the Bible to you. So Psalm 42, starting in verse 1. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while men say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go with the multitude leading the procession to the house of God. Skipping then to verse nine. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? And then over in chapter 43, starting in verse two, you are my God, you are God, my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? Send forth your light and your truth, let them guide me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. And here in these passages, you see a psalmist that longs to encounter the presence of God again, longs to feel his presence. I don't see anything here about disobedience. I don't see anything that the psalmist says that makes me feel like because he's not operating and following Jesus, he's since been shut off. No, I see a psalmist who recognizes I have foes beating me down. I'm being oppressed. Lord, where are you at? I need you. I call for you and you don't answer. Even looking back at the beginning in verse one, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. 
And I don't know if you guys have heard songs um, that have been released since this was written that talks about this time. Usually they're jovial and pleasant. Yes, I long for the Lord. I love that. It's a very positive feeling. But in all honesty, if we're the deer panting for streams of water, it is not a pleasant situation. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I wasn't with these folks yesterday, but I heard the vine went hiking at Hanging Rock. Is that true? And I was not there, but I would imagine if you saw some folks panting, which may or may not have happened, there would have been immediate like, we got to get this person some water or we got to call an ambulance because water gives up. I'm not trying to clown anybody. I don't even know who went anyways, but <laughs> y'all like, no, that really happened. She was doubled over and we didn't know what to do, but Water leads to life, even in my hardback study Bible, yes, yes. Um, as I read some of the commentary here, it said the deer pants for water because its life depends on that water, especially when being pressed by hunters as the psalmist was pressed by his oppressors. So we see this act of panting that really isn't all that pretty. Really, it isn't all that nice. It's a sign of desperation, of something that's necessary necessary for life. And that's the example that's poured out to us here in scripture, guys, that we will experience seasons where we are desperate for Christ, but the water isn't, I, I don't see it. I came up to the stream and it's run dry. This is where I thought I would find the Lord. Where is he now? That we will experience those times. I have a couple other examples in scripture that I feel like uh, kind of lay out these dark night seasons or um, times of journeying through this wall, and I'm going to put those up on the screen for us this morning. Yes. So other scriptural examples of dark night seasons, I saw it all through Psalms, guys. I threw, uh, threw 83 and 109 up there uh, because specifically in those, I saw the psalmist ask God to speak up, to not remain silent, but it is woven all throughout this book of the Bible. Then in Matthew 4, we see Jesus in the wilderness, just to kind of set the tone for this one, guys. Jesus had just been baptized, and then he goes into the wilderness, and it tells us that he is there tempted for 40 days and 40 nights without food and water, and the only person we see interacting with him during this time is the enemy. The enemy is using scripture to tempt him and to try to get him to disobey the father. This is right after a mountaintop experience, guys. He just was baptized and experienced. I mean, it even said in Matthew 4, it said something about, um, you are my dearly beloved son. Yes, that one. You are my dearly beloved son who I'm well pleased. I think that's it. Don't quote me. Check it out yourself. Matthew 4 might have been in 3 then. But then it goes right into this session or section where we see him in the wilderness wilderness. And what's so like honestly frustrating with me is at the very end of this section of him being in the wilderness, you see this small little caveat in verse 11 that talks about how the angels then came and tended to him. And I don't know about y'all and I don't know about Jesus, but I'm like, where were you at the last 10 verses where for 40, no, it was more than 10 verses, but 40 days and 40 nights, he was, uh, I feel like abused. Like he's over here trying to pray. He's over here trying to fast. And the enemy's like, why don't you do this and turn it into bread? And why don't you stand up on the mountaintop and proclaim that I am God? You know, all this stuff is happening and you don't see any interaction with the father. You don't see angels intervening at any point until the very end. So we see here this dark night season for 40 days and 40 nights. Then we look at the life of Job. 
I don't know what you guys know about Job. Uh, he is, there is a whole book in the Bible dedicated to him, but it, he is a man who God actually labels as blameless and upright, one who fears God. And this man lost everything he had, lost all his possessions, and there was a lot of them, lost all of his family, and then lost his health. I mean, it, a terrible situation, terrible shape. I believe there are 42 chapters, if I'm not mistaken, 42 chapters in the book of Job. And in the very beginning, the torment starts. In the very first chapter, you see the enemy starting to take stuff away. And it isn't until chapter 38 that you hear God speak to Job. I mean, y'all, for 38 chapters, he's crying, he's lamenting, what have I done? His friends step in and start trying to call out his sin. Anybody experience that? It's not fun. So all these people are speaking to Job, and he's like, where is this God that I served? He, like I said before, he blameless and upright, one who fears God. He is in the will of the Lord, and this disaster takes place, and there's utter silence on the other end of the phone until chapter 38. And then, as if to make a bad situation worse, when God finally speaks up, he's like, who are you to question me? What? That's a story for a different day. We ain't even got time to dip into that. But Lastly, the life of Paul, you see this person who was completely transformed by Christ and has gone, gone on to proclaim the good news. And amidst all of that, we see throughout his epistles, he's shipwrecked, he's imprisoned, he's beaten, and all the while continuing to plant churches and spread the gospel message. Guys, there are so many examples in scripture of times where it feels like God has forsaken us. Where is he at? Where did he go? He was so close and now he feels so far away. We see these moments of silence in the midst of, dis of obedience, excuse me, in the midst of obedience. These people were not living a life contrary to the way of Christ. They were God honoring and God pursuing. Thus, there was time where they were called to a strengthening of their soul. They were called to the next level of maturity to rely less on feelings and more on truth. We often hear that faith is the evidence of things not seen. And I almost want to add in there and sometimes not felt either. We don't always feel it. And that's what these folks have laid out to us in these examples in Scripture. So I have a couple of points that I want us to marinate on as we consider these dark night seasons for those of us who are journeying through the wall, for those of us who may have approached the wall and turned around and walked away, for those of us who might not experience it now, and it might not be for many more years to come. Praise God that you still hear the Lord's voice on the other end of the phone, that you still sense his presence and feel his connection. But one day, as you grow in maturity with Christ, this season will come. So I have a couple of points for us in that. The first one is wait at your wall. Wait at your wall. Now, I don't want to confuse this here because I want us to wait on the Lord I don't want us to just sit there and twiddle our thumbs and decide whether or not we want to do this. I'm not really sure. And this lawfulness that I mentioned earlier, that's not what I'm referencing. I am referencing this beauty that comes in waiting. We gain a greater capacity to wait on the Lord as we journey through the wall. I'm going to say that again. We gain a greater capacity to wait on the Lord as we journey through the wall. 
the next point for us here. Allow God to move you through the wall. This is why it's important to wait on him because he's the one who's going to move us through this wall. The wall isn't something you do. It's something God does in you. I've done a lot of studying. I've read a lot of blogs of folks who have been in these seasons, and one person caught my attention. He said, I went and saw um, this very well-known counselor and wanted to ask him, is this a dark night season? Am I hitting the wall? And he said, thankfully, the counselor was like, yes, that's exactly what's happening. Sigh of relief when you know what's going on in your life. Can I get an amen? And um, in that moment, he said, great, now what do I do? I don't want to spend an extra second in the midst of this journey that I don't need to. Yes, I want to let the Lord play his course and like I want to learn in this, but like I want to rapidly get through this dark night season. I want to go as quick as I can, but the wall isn't something you do. It's something God does in you. It's this idea of looking at the wall and saying, take this from me or saying, take, th- take me through this. Take this from me versus take me through this. And lastly, this idea of detachment. To detach in order to attach that much more to Christ. We want to detach with the world in order to attach that much greater with God. I believe that detachment is the greatest secret to inner peace. We live in such a fast-paced society where we can grab onto so much. Honestly, we can paint whatever picture we want to on social media, uh, even maybe in our homes and with our family and friends. But in in the depths of our souls, light is shined on what we are truly attached to. And it's not about am I happy and what makes me happy because, guys, that will lead you down the wrong path. It's about am I free Am I experiencing freedom? And if I'm not, what am I clinging to that's keeping me from that freedom? You rarely realize how attached you are to something until God removes it. You rarely realized how attached you are to something until God removes it. If you don't believe me and you operate in a two-car family, you let that one car break down. You're going to be attached to that car. How are you going to get to work? What about that grocery store? Now you got a doctor's visit. How's that going to go? We're attached to those things. You don't believe that? That's fine. Think about that boyfriend or girlfriend that you real googly-eyed over. Let the Lord take that person and see where you're at. Let's take it another step. For those of us in the room that are married, that spouse of yours, oh, you're not putting them above Christ? Let the Lord take that person from you, and you'll see where your attachment truly lies. This is challenging, guys. It shows us the difference between need versus want. We live in a world where we get what we want. That's what, that's, hey, it's about my feelings. I'm going to do me, right? Live your best life. What about live your detached life? Come on, nobody says that. That needs to be a bumper sticker. Somebody else can make it. This is about simplifying life and removing distractions so that God is our main priority. He's what we operate our entire lives around. The ego is attached to power, control, reputation, and material things. During the dark night of the soul, we're compelled to open our hands and let go of all that ego values. 
So notice this is a result of this season, guys. We're in a place where we're stripped of everything because we can't experience the Lord's voice, because we don't experience those feelings. We're suddenly open-handed to everything we once clung to, and maturing is taking place in that open-handedness. I'll say that again. The ego is attached to power, control, reputation, and material things. During the dark night seasons, we're compelled to open our hands and let go of all that the ego values. And we see maturity through that. I'm going to close here with a verse in 1 Kings, which y'all know about 1 Kings. A little bit further forward in the Old Testament here, uh, chapter 19, starting in verse 11. I just want to read this verse over us this morning. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. The Lord is about to pass by. How many of y'all, if you were, if the Lord said, I'm about to pass by, you'd be sprinting to wherever he was about to pass by? Maybe you wouldn't. We can talk about that later. I, for one, would be sprinting. I'm recovering from my third hip surgery and I for sure still would be sprinting to experience the presence of the Lord. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. So there was this call to go out to the mountain because the presence of the Lord was about to pass by. And this great wind came through, but it says the presence of the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And as we read on in 1 Kings, we learn that the presence of the Lord was in the gentle whisper. That in the silence, we heard the voice of the Lord. Guys, silence is okay. Silence stretches us. We mature in that silence. The Lord is in that silence. I would even say he intended it. He intended that silence. Guys, this morning, I'm not sure where we're all at on our journey. I know when we looked at those stages of faith, we might even be questioning, where am I at on this map? Have I even accepted Jesus? Do I even believe that he's my Lord and Savior? If I have, have I learned about him? Has it propelled me into greater discipleship to be a disciple of Jesus? And if so, has that compelled me to serve? Am I now living out of those gifts that he's given me because I've seen his goodness? Guys, we're all gonna come to this point of hitting this wall and journeying through it, I hope, I pray. This morning, my prayer for us is that we have a greater understanding of what this season looks like and we're more equipped to allow the Lord to take us through it. That it doesn't make us doubt our faith. It doesn't make us doubt our belief system because we no longer hear the voice or feel the presence that we must once felt but that we notice that it's so that we can mature into greater relationship with him, that we can continue in obedience and that we won't be worshiping feelings, but that we'll be worshiping the one true God. Pray with me this morning. Lord Jesus, we wanna repent for times that we've put our feelings above you. 
God, times that we felt like that that's what we were supposed to do, perhaps times that we had a desire to honor you and to please you and to follow you, but you weren't there. And honestly, maybe it's the first time we we haven't experienced the the presence that you offer or the feelings that you give, God. Maybe it's the first time that you've stripped us of that and we're confused. But Lord, I pray in this moment that you um, just add clarity. I want to pray that you intervene, but if we're not going to feel you, I don't really know how to pray that. But Lord, that you add clarity to this season and that we would be strengthened and that our endurance would increase and that we would be able to walk in obedience even in the midst of silence that we would open our hands up so that you could walk us through this wall and and so that we would live a life pleasing to you and help others walk on that same journey. We love you, Jesus, and it's in your name we pray.